31st, 2015, and welcome to Sports Fathers Soccer Trunks, where a priest and a seminarian talk about the wide world of soccer in less time than it takes the Department of Justice to round up corrupt FIFA officials. <laughs> so we have 24 years. <laughs> yes! This could be the longest episode ever. Ever. My name is Father Kyle Sanders. I'm a priest of the Archdiocese of New Orleans. And I am Zach Tucker. I am a seminarian for the Archdiocese of Omaha, Nebraska. <laughs> I hope this doesn't last 24 years. <laughs> Longest f- podcast on iTunes ever. Man, that would... I, I, no, I'm not going to do no, that. No, no. Uh, so we're going we're gonna to start out by talking about uh, uh, what happened earlier this week. The uh, Department of Justice called for the Swiss uh, police to arrest one, two, three, four, five, approximately ten of the top FIFA officials um, to be extradited to the U.S. for uh, crimes, different blue-collar, uh, not blue-collar, white-collar crimes of stealing lots and lots of money. These include the former FIFA vice president, Jack Warner, Jeffrey Reb- Webb, who is the current president of CONCACAF, uh, Eugenio Figueredo, uh, who is the current vice president, uh, Eduardo Lee, who is the current FIFA executive committee member-elect, uh, Julia Roca, uh, who is a development officer, Rafael Esquivel, who is the president of the Venezuela Fed- Football Federation, Jose Maria Marin, uh, who used to be in charge of the Brazilian Football Confederation, and Costas Takas, which is the greatest of the names. He was the attache to Jeffrey Webb, along with a few others that weren't part of FIFA, but were connected uh, in that regards. And, and this was done two days uh, before the election of uh, the new president or head honcho or whatever you call it, the FIFA, between um, Set Blatter and uh, uh, Prince Ali. Fabulous. Uh, he. Hmm? <laughs> Sorry. You said Prince Ali, and I had to throw in yeah. an Aladdin reference. <laughs> Hopefully there's someone listening who grew up watching 90s Disney movies and gets that reference. Oh my Otherwise, gosh. I will have failed miserably. Oh my gosh, that's <laughs> hilarious. I did. <laughs> I'll probably get tweets about that one. <laughs> anyway, I am super happy that this has happened. Uh, I, the Department of Justice has done something right and arresting people who are corrupt and are doing stupid things and are taking lots of money from uh from well from poorer countries partly but also that are just bribing and kind of leading fifa in the direction away from being supportive of the sport and making it a a means to uh get rich uh and that's i mean that's not the intention of sport we could, that, that could be a whole philosophical conversation that the sports fathers could talk about between all of us. But uh, it, uh, it kind of takes away from that. And, and so the Department of Justice, I think, has done a great thing here. I'm glad um, that they've taken – and I was expecting more. Like when I heard, I was like, oh, yes, all these guys are going to get arrested. All these things are going to happen. And it didn't happen as much as I thought, but then I realized – all of these people were arrested because they had done crimes in the United States. 
Yep. That doesn't mean that other crimes haven't happened in other countries, but n- none of them have been uh, charged with anything. These are just people that have, you know, committed crimes in the United States. Yep. They were arrested in Zurich, um, and as far as I know, are going to be extradited um, for charging here in the U.S. So, yeah, it's something of. They're talking bribes in excess of $150 million over 24 years. It's a shame it took this long for something to, to be done. Um, I don't know uh, necessarily the, everything that went into formulating the charges and extradition and stuff like that. I'm not sure how that works between countries. Maybe it needed to take that long. But uh, I think it's a, a good thing for uh, the world of football, um, that FIFA becomes less of a corrupt money grab and more about, uh, like you said, promoting sport. Uh, I texted my brother right away in the morning when I I heard about this, and uh, his response was, yeah, I think FIFA is technically a nonprofit, and you probably shouldn't be staying in five-star hotels every time you gather if you're a nonprofit. That was his comment. Mm, yeah, yeah. Because they were all uh, arrested at, I guess it's one of the nicest hotels in Zurich, where they presumably spend a lot of money to stay and do all that, too. So Nice. I'm glad that uh, Qatar and uh, Russia are paying for those hotels. Oh, yeah. Mm. Anyway, speaking (laughs) of Qatar and Russia, uh, two days later, I mean, it was said that that was uh, a U.S.'s attempt to thwart the re-election of Sepp Blatter to uh, the head of FIFA, and his uh, rival was Prince Ali, who is the the Prince of Jordan. And uh, the first election, the first vote went through, uh, neither got a two-thirds majority. The second vote would have been just a simple majority, 51%. And at that point, uh, Prince Ali bowed down and Sepp Blatter took the throne in his megalomaniacal uh, way <laughs> uh, and basically said, I'm going to make, I'm going to make, well, he said, I'm going to make FIFA better. But he's been president of FIFA since 1998. Yeah, and he's been a part of FIFA in various roles for 40 years. 40 years. So I'm not sure how I feel about this. This will be his fifth term as president, I believe, of FIFA. Yes. Um, it's four-year terms. So, yeah. I We were discussing sort of before the show that I didn't, know much about him but he's not a as far as i can tell not a popular figure in the the worldwide view of soccer that's why it was surprising that he got reelected uh you know and and it makes me think that that other uh, electors you know people that are voting were paid off like like mm. why would why would someone that that is obvious or at least in the united states is deplored and and the united states did not support him they did not vote for him uh, and that was made known, and that might create difficulties when we make a bid for World Cups later on. Um, but we did that because of we wanted to take the moral high ground, which is a very rare thing for the United States. So I'll be happy about that. Um, and <laughs> um, yeah. I lost my train of and, 
Well, while you're finding it, he's not exactly popular with UEFA or any a lot of the European countries too. They've got uh, uh, what's his name, uh, David Gill, the former Manchester United uh, exec, who was voted to become the FIFA vice president, um, resigned after Blatter won. He wow. threatened that he would. Uh, because the vice president vote was before the presidential vote, and Blatter was reelected, so Gill resigned. Um, they, this article that I'm looking at, uh, Luis Figo, uh, who's from the Dutch FA, mm-hmm. uh, he's quoted as saying, if Mr. Blatter was minimally concerned about football, he would have given up of the reelection. <laughs> if he has a minimum minimal of decency, he will resign in the next few days. So strong words from uh, from people who are involved quite heavily with FIFA uh, against the bladder. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so. we could talk about that and continue to get depressed, but we <laughs> want to get excited, so we're gonna totally switch uh, gears. <laughs> And uh, that just, was one of the stranger segues we've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't sure if that was you or your soundboard. <laughs> it was me. <laughs> it was me. Most impressive. <laughs> Trying not to laugh a whole lot. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be another one of those episodes. Okay. Father Kyle laughs for three minutes. <laughs> um, so. I want to preface uh, the Women's World Cup with a story. Uh, the In 2010, we had the previous World Cup, and I, that's when I first really started to become a fan of soccer again. I, you know, as a fan as a kid, I had Alexi Lalas and Kobe Jones on my wall, like looked up to them. Um, Please. Please tell me it was the Alexi Lalas with the huge red hair. The huge like, red hair and the crazy goatee, yes. Yeah, look, looking like a ginger Jafar. Yes, yes, exactly, yep. without the turban. Yes. Um, <laughs> Beautiful ginger man. <laughs> but uh, we, uh, so I'm, you know, I, I'm, I was a chaplain that summer uh, and uh, began to watch the, the World Cup and then spent a, a year in a parish and started watching Fulham um, on Fox Soccer Channel. I was like, oh, this is really cool. But I wasn't like, I wasn't a soccer fan. I was just kind of like, you know, following along a little bit. Uh, and then uh, that next summer, I was in Omaha uh, <coughs> for um, uh, the Institute of Priestly Formation and uh, preparing, um, you know, spiritually getting myself ready. I'd just been ordained a deacon. Uh, and two formative experiences. I went to Sporting Park uh, and went to a Sporting KC game, and that was awesome. But the second one, I, I remember it was uh, so we stayed in the dorm rooms at. at um, Creighton, Creighton University, and at the bottom of the dorm rooms, there was a, like a communal television that people could watch TV, and the seminarians, all 175 of us, would fight over that one television. <laughs> and um, there, there, but there was one time that nobody fought, and it was, uh, it was in the final, the World Cup final, the women's World Cup final, the 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 U.S. versus Japan. And I remember being in the, that, that small room with close to 75 celibate men <laughs> watching, 
watching the U.S. fight it and duke it out, only to use, lose on penalty kicks uh, against Japan in the World Cup. And like that's a, that, it was that moment, coupled with going to an SKC game, <laughs> those two moments that solidified me as uh, a, a, a soccer fan in general. Um, and uh, so that, that has, it's a very strong, I want redemption. I want uh, the, US, the U.S. women's national team to take what, what happened in that game where they lost in the last moments of the game and take that over and destroy every <laughs> single team that they play against. Yes, they're in the group of death. Yes, uh, they're in Canada. Who likes Canada? F- Oh, <laughs> dun dun dun! I was and Father but, Daryl goes cutting these guys from the network. <laughs> <laughs> Father Daryl, Sarah Babulus told me to tell you that. Uh, <laughs> um, and uh, you know, so I just I just want the the U.S. women's national team to do well. However. Even though I consider myself a soccer fan, I do not know the women's national team very well. So, I'm going to turn the uh, podcast over to Zach to kind of lead and I will be the color commentary. So Zach, I'm here. This could be the best or worst decision you've ever made for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see. Um, so yeah, uh, for, for our listeners who maybe have uh, a little bit less knowledge about the, the U S women's national team as a whole, I have to admit my, uh, experience was similar to yours. Um, I do remember watching the, uh, probably the most, uh, well, one of the most iconic moments for the U.S. women's national team, Mia Hamm. Mm, uh, of course. In penalty kicks. I think anybody who remembers the 90s at all remembers that moment. Um, <laughs> it was everywhere. It was what so, ended the 90s, pretty much. Yeah. So going back, I guess we'll start. I was born in 1990, so we'll start then because that's my my idea of history is if it happened (laughs) (laughs) yes i know i'm young i'm making you feel old it's okay no it's okay so um but yeah the u.s women's national team uh 1991 uh they were champions in china uh they were third place in 95 uh they won again in 99 when the u.s hosted um third place in 2003 third place in 2007 and then as you mentioned in 2011 they were runners up in Germany, lost to uh, Japan in penalty kicks. Um, I remember watching that and just being heartbroken. Um, it's the, I think it was my brother that co- coined the phrase, the agony and the ecstasy of soccer. Yeah. Um, because it, you know, you get to the championship game, you're watching this phenomenal team play, and, you know, you supported them the whole way, and then it's just heartbreaking to watch them lose in, in PKs. So, um, but yeah, as you mentioned, Women's World Cup starts uh, in about a week, I think. Yeah. Our first game is, uh, let's see, I knew this at one point. Our first game is June 8th uh, versus Australia. So, yeah, in about a week, uh, the Women's World Cup will be underway. Um, There is, I believe, 23 women on on the World Cup roster. That is correct. Some of them... Some of them will be pretty familiar to anyone who's um, watched them before, maybe watched them in 2011 or earlier. Um, people like Tobin Heath, uh, Carly Lloyd, uh, Alex Morgan, 
Of course. Uh, uh, Christy Rampone, who uh, perhaps you've watched more than just the last Women's World <laughs> Cup. She'll be a she'll be a uh, a welcome and a familiar face. This will be her fifth World Cup with the U.S. Mm-hmm. women's team, which is phenomenal considering the World Cup only occurs every four years. Yep. Um, I watched an interview with her during uh, the U.S.-Mexico friendly a couple weeks ago, and uh, I think it was Julie Johnston, who's one of the newer uh, team members, said she's definitely the team mom. So she's, <laughs> I think, close to 40, but still looks great on the pitch. Um, and then you've got you know Hope Solo in goal, and then uh, the goal-scoring phenom Abby Wambach, who's been around forever as well yes uh, we're we're talking about her before the show as well she has like five or six teams with double digit goals against that she's scored um mm-hmm. she also i'm fairly certain has a cannon attached to the top of her head uh if she gets a head on the ball it's a laser headed for the net so she has the most powerful neck muscles in all of football. <laughs> yes, I'm so glad that phrase got brought into this, <laughs> into this podcast. I, I've never seen somebody, you know, ha- have so much success heading the ball. Yeah. As it's, Abby Wambach. And she's not she's not that tall of a person. She just, she has a hunger for the ball that is just, just amazing. She's just able to jump and, and to, she, that desire is what leads her to, 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 put her head at the end of balls and it's just crazy yeah i think she uh just watching her for example on corner kicks she's a very strong uh strong in the box type of player like mm-hmm. you said she's not super tall but she is not afraid to out muscle someone who's marking her and just go up for the ball yeah. almost recklessly but it pays off more often than not yeah so she's a lot of fun to watch definitely keep an eye on her on set pieces corner kicks uh she'll be in there and and scrapping for the ball so well you but she also can get good service from um heather o'reilly and megan rapineau you know oh, yes. they, they can they can send in some some good uh some good uh crosses from the from the outside and i think that's that's partly why she's had great success is because she's had such awesome service Absolutely. And even even people uh, like Tobin Heath and uh, Lori Chalupny, I think is how you say her name. Uh, she had a goal literally 45 seconds into the second half versus Mexico, I think. But she play, she's technically a defender. Chalupny is. But she is not afraid to come up, and she does have beautiful uh, crossing skills. And that was the last game I watched was that friendly versus Mexico. And you saw that a couple times uh, from her to... Uh, Abby in the second half, and then her to uh, both Sydney LaRue and um, uh, Kristen Press in the first half who were playing forwards. Mm. So I think just as a roster as a whole, uh, people to keep an eye on. Uh, Alex Morgan, uh, we were talking before the show, she's been struggling with some knee issues. Uh, those will probably continue to be uh, a point of interest going into the, the World Cup. She has Played a little bit, I think, but definitely not a full 90 minutes and definitely not full steam. Um, so look to Sydney LaRue, uh, who's just been on fire lately, and then maybe Kristen Press also to sort of take up um, that uh, that empty forward position. Um, Alex Morgan's a phenomenal player, but yeah. uh, with, with that sort of nagging injury, uh, Press and LaRue could see 
uh, a lot more time. And uh, yeah, I think I really like the the roster. Um, I really liked what I saw against Mexico. The first half uh, was a little uh, rocky, I think you could say. It was only it was only one one going into halftime, <laughs> and maybe mm-hmm. I sound a little spoiled saying that, but the U.S. <laughs> team they're known for scoring goals, and they showed that in the second half. I think the final score was five to one, but. They've yeah. been. There's one game I think where Sydney Larue had five goals and they won thirteen to nothing or something silly like That's that. That's disgusting. Yeah, there's a lot of goals. Lee, awesome. Yep, I'll take it. <laughs> I will take it. So, I'm I'm really excited to see how this squad does in in World Cup play. I'd love to see them add another another star to the jersey and win this one. Mm-hmm. Um, but you you mentioned uh, group play. Uh, I feel like the media loves to dub whatever group the U.S. gets into as the group of death. Yeah, uh, we saw it last summer. Uh, we see it this summer. So I'm not sure I entirely agree with that assessment of our group. I don't think it's going to be terribly difficult. Um, yeah, but at the same point, uh, you know, from at least from a competition standpoint, um, we have the most competition. I guess than any other group, um, maybe other than than uh, Canada, China, Netherlands, New Zealand. I don't like. I think uh, every other every other group is is rather more balanced. Other than uh, it's going to be interesting to the France England to see uh, if France beats England or if England beats France. Those will be some interesting games. Yeah, I guess balance is a good way to. To term it, just looking at the, how the groups are sort of set up, there's in the other five groups, there's very clearly like a top team, mm-hmm. two middle of the road teams, and the one team that's pretty clearly sort of bottom tier. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I mean, we had that as well in Nigeria, but in the same token, uh, they have uh, they have a, they have the uh, I, I can't pronounce her name from Nigeria. Uh, Asisat Ashwala, um, and she she won the uh, the golden ball for uh, the under twenty uh, women's World Cup in two thousand fourteen. So um, she's not she's not she's not a she's not afraid to score, and and is definitely coming in with a lot of confidence in that regard. So yeah, and that I think that could possibly highlight. Um, Maybe the one area of weakness that the U.S. women's team has. Defense? Um, yeah. We saw it, uh, like I said, during the Mexico game. The, the one goal that was allowed was a very nicely played set piece. Um, I don't remember the name of the woman who scored for Mexico, but she she was just lost in, in sort of the shuffle in something that should never, ever happen. She was completely unmarked and just buried a header off of a set piece just pretty much lasered it right by hope solo hmm. so stuff like that uh mistakes like that will cost you in the world cup especially if you're yeah. playing uh, a team with someone who's you know known to score goals so that i think and we have some younger younger women back on on defense so i think if there's any weakness in the u.s women's national team it's probably on the defensive side that being said it, it may not be as weak as some other teams. Yeah. Uh, well, and Hope Solo forwards. is like Tim Howard, female, without yeah. the tattoos. 
<laughs> She's just as scary, though. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, just yeah. They're they're both fantastic goalkeepers. So I'm hoping that we do, she's not going to need to have 16 or 13 saves in a game, uh, but she she has the ability to. Yeah, and in case we didn't mention it, the way, the the U.S. women's group is the USA, uh, Sweden, Australia, and Nigeria. Which so the U.S. is the number one ranked FIFA team. Sweden is five. Australia is ten, and then Nigeria is thirty five. So it's actually. Those first three teams, particularly, are are pretty close together yep. um, compared to the rest of the groups. So, but uh, luck of the draw. Yeah, um, I don't know. Do you have any uh, sort of expectations for the women? You were you were sort of speaking quite strongly there as we were transitioning uh, about yes. wanting some revenge there. Um, oh no, I definitely. Uh, I don't. I, I think we'll be able to uh, handle Nigeria. I think we'll be able to handle Sweden's going to be a lot stronger team from what I've read that they're just they're f- more physical. Um Australian is the is the opposite. They're more athletic. Um and I think they're going to be the greatest threat to the US mm-hmm. because uh you know being able to get around the defense. Um and the fact that our youngest player is 25. Yep. <clears throat> so we're definitely working with it like an older team, not that that's a bad thing, but just that um, uh, they have a lot more experience and so they can handle stress and things like that and have experienced uh, both winning and losing. So mm-hmm. that, w- that will help, but I think uh, it's, it might be difficult in that regards. I, we'll definitely move on. I think we'll get all the way, if not to the uh, final, then yeah, we're going to the final. We're going to win. Okay. That's, that's my. I was gonna say. That's it, my. We, predi- that's not my prediction. We're gonna win, and it is. It, it's probably going to be against someone like France, um, or or uh, England or Germany. I think uh, uh, Japan. I don't want to do that again. Please, heart, <laughs> do not do that to my heart. Do not do that to my heart. Yeah. But Japan has the easiest group. They, I was just gonna say that they have a very they have a very easy group. They also are bringing um, generally an older team as well. They have uh, we talked earlier about um, oh and I'm totally blanking on her name right now. Who has five appearances for the U.S. This will be her fifth World Cup. Christy Rampone. I couldn't think of her name. Uh, the only two women that are playing uh, in this World Cup that have more. World Cups under their belt, uh, both at six. This will be their sixth World Cup. They both play for Japan. Mm. So um, there's a lot of age and experience in in Japan's team. But yeah, like you said, they have, speaking, you know, pretty honestly, they have a very easy group. So I, I assume they'll advance. Yeah, um, Germany will advance too. There's no doubt mm-hmm. in that. Um, yep. And uh, uh, I didn't realize that Canada had such a good team. Go Canada! Yeah, their team is is not not a bad team at all. Um, as much as we like to sort of hate on our <laughs> hate on our neighbors to the north a little bit, but their their women's team is is quite good. So I could see them uh, advancing out of their group as well. So I think the most fun group to watch will probably be, like you said, the France England group. Mm-hmm. Um, just because those two teams are very close, they'll be very competitive, and I think even. Uh, Mexico, they've they're a very young team comparatively, mm-hmm. uh, but they looked at least in the first half versus the U.S. They they did not look bad. Mm-hmm. Um, they played their game plan and they stuck to it. The U.S. sort of just I think beat them out on endurance. Yeah, uh, but they could I could see them giving France or England sort of a a run for their money. So 
it should be it'll be a good women's world cup i can i can agree with that for sure so your prediction is the u.s wins uh, my prediction is that the U.S. wins. We'll probably be talking about this again uh, throughout the summer, uh, at least through the first half of you know June, July. Wh- once it goes through, then, but uh, yeah, I will be following along. But I think the U.S. are going. I I don't think. I know. Mm. Oh, strong words. Uh, I I have to agree. I really like the U.S.'s chances. I think the closest team to them would be Germany, and. Uh, it's sort of come out in the last couple of weeks that one of their star players will not be playing in the World Cup, uh, as she's expecting. So that, I think, decreases their likelihood of cha- challenging the U.S. Um, but you never know. The World Cup is is uh, an area where stories are made. So we mm-hmm. could see some something wild. Uh, I hope it's for the, <laughs> for the U.S. if it happens. Uh, <laughs> but I think it's going to be a, a very fun summer of... Uh, of women's women's soccer to watch. So all the games I believe are on Fox, I believe. Yes, they are on Fox. Yeah. They have a soul one of those like soul T V yep. deals. Yeah, that's how that worked. Uh but you can find it. There's enough Fox stations that they'll be playing them around for uh you know Fox Sports and Fox and FX and all those other things. So they'll be play it'll be playing around. Yep. Uh, and then and the nice thing is, it's in Canada, so there's not any. You won't have to work, wake up at 4 a.m. to catch yeah. any of the games. Uh, so that'll be nice too. Yes, it will. Uh, as as one final thing, I'm actually excited for Canada in this regards. I'm hoping that uh, the Women's World Cup will uh, spur even more uh, Canada in the direction that the U.S. is going with regards to soccer. Uh, I mean, I know we have two MLS teams that are or three MLS teams. I can't count. Never have been able to. Uh, three MLS teams that are um, there. And, and uh, so I'm hoping that that's, this will kind of spur Canada into a, a greater soccer nation. That uh, Obviously, uh, hockey is that way, and some, sometimes that can't be the case. But, but uh, I'm hoping that this will at least spur that up a little bit more. Yeah, and I think they have the team to sort of help that out. Mm-hmm. I think we saw that with the U.S. Uh, men's team. Yeah. The last two World Cups, they've done quite well, and that's sort of spurred an interest because um, you've got these people who maybe never watched soccer before, and yeah. they meet these crazy soccer fans and mm-hmm. sort of get engaged. So I think Canada's team has the possibility to go quite far in this wor- World Cup, and that can only you know grow the game yeah. in Canada, which is great for anyone who's a soccer fan so. exactly well uh we're going to close up you can uh please go and rate us on itunes uh, show us your love that helps uh to bring other people to the podcast so that they can listen to zach and i or father daryl and father Corey and and uh father travis and all of the other sports fathers uh talk uh like we know what we're talking about uh, but just so that they can hear, you know, priest talk about sports, you know. Uh, so please do that. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram, C-O-L-O-N-E-L, the number four G-O-D, Colonel for God. Zach, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Beggar's Son, B-E-G-G-A-R-S-S-O-N. And I suggest you only follow Father Kyle on Instagram if you like pictures of beards and or pens. <laughs> Okay. (laughs) 
Hey, you know it's true. <laughs> I cannot deny this. Anyway, <laughs> y'all have a good week, two weeks. We'll see you back in two weeks when the World Cup, Women's World Cup, would have already started. And uh, we will see you then. See you then, guys.